Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth goal for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with good finish. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time, knowing that really all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the latest Here We Go podcast. The podcast understands that patter is simply banter run through a Ouija dictionary and we are not going to stoop to it. However, bringing their sparkling wit and repartee to the show tonight are my good friend, Martin Clunas. I, I say friend, perhaps acquaintance is better. Or, or maybe I'm just a well-wisher and I don't wish you any specific ill harm. Martin, how are you? I'll take, I'll take that, Richard. It's always good to be back and hear your lovely voice. You too, you too. Uh, and then making his debut on this year's show is freelance journalist Andrew Southwick. You may have seen Andrew's byline on the BBC lately, but those with longer memories might recall his involvement with the Away End, uh, one of the big, uh, the first big fan-led websites for Scottish football. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. How far back can we retrace your Don's obsession? Uh, I think my first game was 1987. My dad wasn't really much of an Aberdeen fan like I think the last time my dad went to Batodre was Willie Miller's testimonial so there was a little uh, delegation in the family like we're going to gonna lose him to something else so my granddad my two uncles used to take me to games so actually it used to be quite often it was back to D at lunchtime in Batodre in the afternoon so it was always going to be one of the two teams I picked the Dons obviously so it was a great team it was uh, I mean I missed the Fergie era but it was you know Hans Gilhouse Charlie Nicholas Jim Bet, all that lot, so yeah, wasn't too hard to fall in love. And obviously, you know, we're all kind of men of a certain age here, but we can still talk about our favourite football players like, you know, teenage girls. So, who was your favourite player from your time watching? Um, the first one is probably, probably Gilhouse, Hans Gilhouse. He was just, he was just different class, but then, uh, then Ian Jess kind of started, he's obviously started breaking through and he was just a great player as well, but I'd probably still say Gilhouse, my best memory from sort of that era as well, even though that season didn't end particularly well, the 1990-91 season, it was just like, some of the games were brilliant, and I always remember the game at Batodre, we played Rangers and we had to win, if we were any chance of staying in the title race, and it was 0-0, last minute, and Gilhouse was the winner, and it was the first time, and I was like 9 years old, and it was the first time I'd seen Batodre go properly mental. I see we're, we're, we're pronouncing the G in Hillhouse there. Is that, is that the BBC uh, correct pronunciation guide there at play? or that, That's the way end pronunciation <laughs> guide. <laughs> right, uh, let's talk about Saturday's less than spectacular uh, nil nil draw with Kilmarnock, or the Greg Stewart Derby, as it was termed beforehand. Obviously, his every touch was being booed by the 600 or so in the way end. But, Andrew, how do you think he got on? I didn't think he did too bad. I was surprised that him and Stephen May both started the last two games. I thought, to be honest, Stuart, Stuart coming in to like replace me. I thought it did well. It was good movement. 
there's an unpredictability there that Aberdeen haven't really had all season. Um, I felt felt sorry for Stevie May actually because I thought he played really well, but you're kind of going to be judged in goals, and he's obviously not really scored for a while. But I thought the play was good, though he, he desperately needs a goal. Like when his first his first time at Petardry, you know, he went so long without scoring. Um, we didn't, we, when he scored, he didn't really score very much. And he kind of, I know he was unfit and I know he was playing out of position, but you could tell it was kind of getting to him, getting to his confidence. And when he went to Kelly, he had that sort of freedom. And you could see he was playing with a smile on his face. And I think the longer he goes at the torture without a goal, you know, it will affect him. So, you know, we don't get to see him put what we chances. But I thought, um, I thought that front four uh, was good. Um, you know, the front three and then Mackay Stephen kind of switching the wings. And if once once they actually get a few games together and they kind of develop an understanding, it's going to be very difficult to defend against. Yeah, I'm just about to point out, Martin. It was a kind of it's kind of lopsided front four. You've got you've got me, Cosgrove, and uh, Stewart really kind of trying to play centrally. And yeah, Mackay Stephen was switching wing to wing. He's maybe like the least effective of the four of them. I thought on. Saturday. It did seem if we were going to get a goal, Greg Stewart would probably have been involved in it. Is that a fair, fair assessment? Kilmarnock obviously know exactly what he's about, and they did really stifle him out of the game. Um, he seemed to be, him and to a certain extent, Mackay Stephen as well, it seemed to be that, you know, Steve Clark's not an idiot. You know, you can see that there's guys that are creative and there's guys that can hurt you. Um, and Greg Stewart and um, GMS are those are, are basically the two guys in our team that are going to do that. I'm looking forward to seeing more of them, and it is a bit strange because we're going to have to work out how we're going to how they're going to play from now on. I mean, obviously McGinn was on the bench. You have to wonder if if Stewart's going to be playing. You know, who's who is going to be the one that will drop out, and it, I think it probably will be McGinn um, against maybe what you would class as you know the bigger teams, you know, maybe against a Celtic or a Rangers, you might see um, May drop out, I don't know, um, and try and get a bit more get a bit more creativity and I don't know and just have the one up front. Um, it'll be certainly interesting to see because you know, Stuart's not come here not to play and I'm, I wouldn't suggest that he's came here with assurances that he'll be first pick. But um, you know, Mackay Stephen is out of contract at the end of the season. We still don't know what's going on there. No, we know what we think is going to happen. Um, so you're looking, Stuart's looking to impress, and we want them impressed because let's hope he stays. I just wonder, Andrew, if um, by bringing in Greg Stewart, you know, we've disrupted a front line that looked to finally, we finally seem to have picked a, a formulation up front in December that was actually scoring goals after what had been a real struggle in the first part of the season. I just wonder if we've maybe disrupted that by, by bringing Greg Stewart in and him starting the last three games, obviously. Yeah, but I don't think it's too much to do with Greg Stewart. I think actually playing Mackay Stephen because in December, um, well, a lot of people see, you know, Mackay Stephen's had a good season, but he's not actually had much of an end product. He scored, what, six goals before them has been for the penalty spot. His assists are really poor. I think he's got, um, I think he's got like two or three assists. I think he's got three assists all season. And for one of our so-called best players, when he wasn't there in December, that's when we had that sort of best spell of the season. Um, on Saturday, I would have actually, like, like you're talking about, you know, Mackay, Mackay Stephen and McGinn, if we're going to stick with Stuart May, obviously one of them is going to drop out. I actually think we're better off playing McGinn. He's got more of an end product. He's got more assists. Um, but for, for Stuart, I mean, we had a, we actually had an article recently on the, the BBC website. It wasn't wasn't written by me. Um, and it was entitled, The Most Creative Player in the Premiership. And Greg Stuart basically 
is the most creative player. He's got the he's got the most assists per games. He's sixth best for key passes. Um, he's the most clinical, like for shots shot goal ratio, and he's got seven assists as well, more than double Mackay Stevens. So. I don't think I don't think he's coming in and disrupting it. I think actually Mackay Steven needs to step up to the plate a bit more. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously assists can be slightly subjective. We keep our own numbers here. Uh, yeah, Gary Mackay Steven all season just uh, three assists, uh, six goals, but as you rightly point out, four from the penalty spot. So um, basically, just point um, one five assists every ninety minutes that he's played this season. And now again, who obviously was benched on Saturday. Has got seven assists at 0.34 assists per 90 minutes. Uh, in terms of people who have got a better assist per 90 minute record than Gary Mackay Steven, Scott Wright even, 0.29. Um, even Stephen Gleason has got a better assist per 90 minute record than Gary Mackay Steven this uh, year, which seems remarkable, but that's what the numbers tell me anyway. Um, so, yeah, Mackay Steven is an interesting one because obviously I think what's. To, Conor McLennan brought to the side Martin in what Mar- uh, Sam Cosgrove seemed particularly like was that early ball into the box. And if anything, Saturday there was a lot of deliberation, a lot of people in extra touches. And Derek McInnes summarised it as not being able to show that creativity on in a one-to-one situation. But the fact of the matter is, very often it wasn't our most creative players getting one-to-one situations because the ball was too late in getting out to them. So it was one versus two or one versus three at, at times. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it was it was, it was was very slow. It was ponderous at times. McInnes is right to say about lack of quality. And I think that's what kind of summed up the afternoon, really. Uh, not to take anything away from Colmarnock because I thought, you know, we're good. I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to their, their attacking exploits. But you know, defensively they did everything. You know, they broke up the play. They you know, and they did the basic things right. I suppose. I mean, they came and they were there to make us make us break them down. And we, and we just as much as they tried, that key pass wasn't there. And I think that seems to be the problem. I would argue that emanates from the midfield, Andrew. I'm just wondering if it is the right blend in there. Obviously, you've got Graham Chinney. He's combative. He's high energy. He's up and down the pitch, but he obviously. Uh, for what he gives you, he lacks a little bit in technical ability and finesse. Is Lewis Ferguson maybe too similar a player? Or, or do you need that when going with just the two in the middle? Well, I'm, I'm glad we're playing Shinny and Ferguson rather than and Shinny and Ball, which we were t- trying to stick with at the start of the season, because that, for me, was why we were so negative, because they were both defensive-minded players. Um, I think we actually I think we won something like seven out of 16 games with Shinny and Ball together. Um, whereas, like, Shinny and Ferguson, it was, I think we only lost, well, only three games that didn't win. We scored a lot more goals as well, so I don't think it's the case that they're too similar, but um, I think we're still trying to play Shinny as a midfielder when it's not, he's not really a natural in that position, he's just kind of there because we need somebody who's a bit com- combating. I, I certainly prefer Shinny and Ferguson to, to any other combination. I think Galician is still too early because we've not really seen a huge amount of him. Dean Campbell's obviously really young. So yeah, I'll still stick with that that um, partnership. It remains probably a hole in the squad, doesn't it? And we'll perhaps come to that later. The moment, the only moment of the game really, which got everyone out of their seats, was the uh, red card for Chris Boyd. I think it we're all satisfied that it was the correct call. He seemed a lot, he seemed out of control at the time. Obviously, he's sliding in. He's very late. The ball was well gone. 
Uh, Kilmarnock are obviously appealing it today, but given the state of the uh, appeals process and indeed the whole disciplinary system this season, um, I suppose it's absolutely worth them chancing their arm. But you can't see that really being a success in a sane universe, can you, Andrew? Yeah, if you actually watch the tackle in slow motion, Chris Boyd never takes his eye off the target, which is Graham Shinney's leg. He's not looking at the ball at all. I've no doubt he meant that. And I don't think he tried to injure Shinney. I think it was just kind of one of these, basically what Kelly would do all day, just kind of late challenges, little niggles. But I think he meant it, definitely meant it, and it's definitely a red card. Martin? I was deliberate. You saw him, he was steaming in there as quick as Chris Boyd is going to be able to go, so not 100 miles an hour anyway. Um, the worst thing about it, I thought, was you no, know, he was probably the worst player that we could have had sent off for us because when he came on, he didn't really do anything anyway. He was just kind of up front, just there, just being a body, not really doing anything. Whereas, you no, know, if perhaps a midfielder or somebody had had gone off, we might have stood a chance of actually maybe breaking them down and taking advantage of of them having a man short. But Boyd going off was just like, well, they're just going to stick to their two their two lines anyway, and. Um, it didn't really. I don't think it really changed anything in the game. But from Steve Clark's point of view, you can understand him bringing Boyd on because Boyd had caused our centre halves quite a lot of problems in the game at Rugby Park uh, a few months ago, and come on, it were really, really struggling to get up the pitch, really struggling to create anything. In fact, they failed to even have a shot on goal on Saturday. Now I can't recall anyone who's come to Pedrodri in the last God knows how long and done that. So I went back and checked the numbers. Thinking of the miserable teams that have pitched up at Pitodri recently, and even away from Pitodri. So that Daigavariga side, remember them? Even when they weren't even trying to win, they still had a shot on goal. Stranraer, who got uh, thumped 4 0 a couple of years ago, they had a shot on goal. In the 7 0 win at Dens Park, Dundee had five shots at goal. And when we won 6 0 at Park Thistle, they had nine shots at goal. So it's pretty unique what Kilmarnock have managed, uh, managed to do on Saturday. But that said, Andrew, they, they got what they came for. They got the, the point that they were after. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we played Tilly Bath. I don't think we played any worse than we did when we beat Hearts 2 0 in December. But what Kelly are good at is they're good at sucking you into their game. And what they do is they, they push you. They forced it to go wide. They did it to good effect in midweek against Rangers. And they were doing it to us. But we seem reluctant to actually go wide because generally we'd, we'd be okay with that. That's probably why we've got such a good record against Kelly because we've got guys, you know, again, when he's playing, for example, we put a good ball into the box. But we were determined to try and play through them. Obviously because we were playing uh, Stuart and May, but it, it clearly wasn't working. But... I mean, that Hearts game, it was a similar sort of thing. They tried to kill the game. They tried to obviously create a lot of fouls. They didn't really have a lot. I think they had one shot in target that game, and that was from a set piece. We actually defended better against Kelly because we didn't concede any free kicks from outside our box. We were quite cute about it. Any free kicks we gave away, we always made sure it was in Kelly's own half so we weren't being dangerous. Um, but when McGinn came on, I think that was the wrong sub. I would have put... Well, I would have brought McGinn on, but I wouldn't have taken May off. I would have taken off Mackay Stephen at that point. Because um, I still felt, you know, we needed bodies in the box. We needed a good ball into the box. But, um, yeah, Kelly came for a draw, and that's what they got. There's been rightly a lot of praise for Steve Clark's team, but I wonder if it's maybe just a bit of an indictment on a league that teams which are very, very well organised, but clearly very limited, like your Kilmarnock's, like your St Johnson, like us to a large degree, and certainly in Derek McInnes' first season, you would definitely say that, can have success in this league. 
Steve Clark would have looked at the, the last two games they've had. You know, they played against Rangers and they played against us. Now, Steve Clark probably looked at that and thought, targeted four points. Um, and he's came, they've came up here. We have to, I suppose we have to remember that we have taken their best player off them. So pro- their, their outlet, you know, we've just spoken about who's the, you know, who's the most creative player in the league. We've taken that out of their side. Uh, Clark's going to have to try and find you know, a, a way around this. When you give us stats like that, like bringing up like Daugava Riga, that's actually quite embarrassing when you look at it that way. That you know, the team that are above us in the league as well came here and Joe Lewis could have folded his shirt and his gloves and put it back in the pocket when he got into the changing room. But that is going to come across as slightly sour grapes, and I suppose it is, let's be clear about it. We simply weren't good enough to break them down on the day. So definitely dropping two points, as it definitely was. Towards the end, Scott McKenna picked up a recurrence of his hamstring injury. But this is obviously a worry. I guess in some respects it might play out quite well for us, because we wanted to be here at least till the end of the season. He's injured uh, for the rest of the transfer window. That's not necessarily a horrendous thing in terms of fending off interest. But I wonder if, I mean, obviously it might just be an area of him that is susceptible to these kind of injuries. But we've got a third of this league, obviously, play on plastic pitches. He would have been down on plastic again Tuesday night against Stenhouse Muir. There have been studies which have um, shown a similar rate of injury on plastic pitches as there was to grass. And also other studies which show an increased rate of injury on plastic pitches versus grass. But certainly the changing of surfaces, Andrew, I wonder if, if that's likely to play a part. It's anecdotally, footballers certainly say that that's something which is hard to adjust to. Yeah, well, thanks. I think Tony Doherty came up today and said he doesn't feel the injury's too bad, so... That's not too bad, but as far as plastic pictures goes, I don't actually have a massive problem with them. Um, maybe it's just because Aberdeen have a, a decent record of them, but you can see the reason why they brought in these plastic pictures is not because they're trying to improve their own uh, style of football, or whatever. It's simply for a money point of view. Like Kilmarnock will rent their pitch out seven days a week, Hamilton will do the same, and it's all well and good someone like Stephen Gerrard turn up at Rugby Park saying, oh, you know, we shouldn't have these plastic pictures, but. You know, that's, that's easy for them to say. A club like Kelly and, and Hamilton don't have big crowds. You know, they should be doing everything to try and um, A, stay afloat, B, actually bring in funds. So I, I can't really, really criticise them for it. I think maybe the, the issue is that we've not found a plastic pitch that's actually universally liked. You know, there is some more. I mean, Livingston's pitch is a bit of an embarrassment, but I, I find it hard to criticise them, really. OK, well, that was Aberdeen nil, Kamarnock nil on Saturday. And uh, Redon's dropped down, well, stayed in fact, in fourth place now, two points off second. Transfer window closes this week. Um, some people see it as a magnificent soap opera and are absolutely glued with interest to what goes on. Some people see it as a complete waste of time. What will it be for the Dons, Martin? Are we going to make any uh, moves this week? I would imagine we probably won't. Um, you know, and if we do, it'll be something out of left field. It'll be, it'll perhaps just be somebody to. Uh, Somebody to fill out fill out a squad. Um, it depended on, you know, like um, Andrew mentioned there. You know, Tony Docker came out today and said that, you know, McKenna will probably miss. You'll miss miss Stenhouse Muir and you'll probably miss Hibbs and then he should be fine. Uh, so there's there's probably no urgency to bring in somebody somebody at centre half, thankfully, to cover for that. I don't think we'll I don't think we'll see we'll bring in bring in anyone in. I mean, the, obviously the one that's been mentioned is Lewis Morgan, um, which um, I am a hundred percent against. If I'm totally honest, fed up of this where we're I'm no we saw with Ryan Christie where we where we turned we turned someone who was a was a misfit in their in their squad into into a player. He's gone there. Um, he's setting the 
He's setting the world on fire. We see, we're doing fine against the rest of the teams in the uh, the Premier League. We need to start bringing in players who can help us against Celtic. Um, Lewis Morgan isn't that player because he won't be able to play against them. Play against them. So unless we're going to buy him, which I don't see happening. If we were doing jointly, if we didn't need him against the other teams, then we would have been picking up 102 points from those games, Martin, and pretty much guaranteed the league title. I don't well, think we've well, managed to pick up 102 points in the last couple of seasons. No, but I said we're we're doing fine against the rest. I mean, obviously, we know we've said many times on here that we can't win every game, and it's 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 it would be incredibly arrogant to think that we can win every game. And you know, we're right to have said that. Um, no, everybody is capable of taking points off everybody. Colmarnock are taking points off Rangers. We've be, we're beaten. We've beaten Rangers. No, so it is capable of doing it. The problem is that the team on the top are Celtic. So taking one of their players who can't get a game and putting him in our squad when he then can't play against the team we're trying to close the gap on is stupid. <clears throat> but take Christie as as the example, as you obviously will. Did he not help us gain points against the rest? That a, a, an inferior player that we might have played otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Perhaps, yeah. But then we play against Celtic, and then we managed to we, we turned we got turned over by them every single time, didn't we? Because we because we we, we develop a way of playing with their player in our squad or in our first 11, and then have to change it to play them. Andrew, what's your take on this? Yeah, it's a bizarre one because if we're going to loan anyone in, you either want them to improve the team or fill a gap. I don't think Lewis Morgan is doing either of those things. Lewis Morgan, for me, is not somebody who's going to come in and go, come into our first team. Like, who, who are you dropping for Lewis Morgan? Like, is he better than Mackay Stephen and McGinn? Is he playing ahead of me? But he's clearly not going to play ahead of Stewart. So... I'd be quite underwhelmed by the whole thing and it's the only good thing I could see of bringing Lewis Morgan in is that we've talked well you've talked a lot about Scott Wright I'd like to think he's still got a future at Aberdeen he's probably a player I'd like to see go out on loan to somebody but maybe the squad's a little bit too thin I would just basically take Lewis Morgan stick him on our bench and then send Scott Wright out on loan so he get, get, gets games but I don't see Lewis Morgan actually doing anything for us in the team this is a guy who's made his name in the championship. He's played a handful of games in the top flight. He's, he's a championship player. That's that's the same league where Stephen Dobie is a goal machine. So I, I don't think we're signing a top player at all. What about the, the principle of it, leaving aside Morgan's particular abilities? Uh, let's again use Christie as an example. I mean, <clears throat> there was a guy who did fill a hole in our squad and did contribute and was um, a class above the other players we had in that team, the principle, though, of signing someone from Celtic on loan. Yeah, well, Christie was a different one because Christie actually gave us a bit of an advantage over Rangers, and I think he was instrumental in helping us finish above them. Um, and, and it also helped us get to a cup final. He scored, I mean, the annoying thing is, we, we developed him, he went there and he scored a cup final goal for, the, for Celtic. But he scored a couple of goals for us as well. He scored the winner at Ibrox, he scored at Hamden. Um, he was probably actually more effective than James Madison was. So, like, if, like I say, if they're coming in and enhancing the team, fair enough. But I do agree with Martin in that we should be, even if we're not going to finish above Celtic, we should still be looking to take points off them. And therefore, if you take your best players can't play against them, it's it's kind of acknowledgement that well, we're, we're, these games are just bonus points, which I think is the wrong attitude. So, if we can get. If you can get a similar player, it would be difficult to get a similar player like Ryan Christie from another team, but Lewis Ferguson's not not in that class. 
But surely, Martin, part of the um, idea behind looking at a guy like Morgan, or indeed looking at a guy like Christie, is the hope that Celtic will at one point consider these players who are identified as uh, people who have the potential to be really top-level SPFL players in the future. That Celtic will consider them surplus to requirements uh, like Christie so very nearly was, and you put yourself to the front of that queue. Is that not part of the thinking? Yeah, I would. Yeah, but it has to be part of the thinking. And no, the the Ryan Christie thing, like you say, you know, if we're if we're to believe what we're told, you know, he was, you know, he was. It was almost agreed, and it was almost done, and he was coming here. Um, that then comes from the fact that you know Celtic want to have a bit. Celtic want to have a big squad, and they've seen that he was doing well, and they want to want to give him another chance, which is frustrating. But um, you, I suppose you could. Uh, I'd, I would have no problem if it was somebody who, like, if he's someone's got six months on their contract and we and we and we go and buy him, then fair enough, you know, because Lewis Morgan, you know, he is talented, but like Andrew says, there he's done it in the championship, you know, it'd be like it'd be like us bringing in Jason Cummings, who, who's only ever done it in the done it in the championship. He's not really done anything in the top division. You know, it's like why would why bring in these guys who we're taking we're, we were kind of taking a punt on as well. That's a worry. You know, Ryan Christie wasn't a punt. We knew he was a decent player. Lewis Morgan, not so much. What about uh, other positions, uh, Andrew? Uh, midfield, maybe? You know, actually, I've just, they're saying Dunny Knight for the bid uh, accepted for Peter Paul. I would uh, I would take him back. I'd, uh, I mean, he's not played much over the past years, but I'd certainly take Paul on a permanent deal ahead of Lewis Morgan loan. Um, but I think we need We seem to be looking at all these left-sided players I think we need somebody on the right side We're actually short the right-sided players So I can't really think who I mean, we've also been linked with Johnny Hayes as well It's another left-sided player So, But on Johnny Hayes If you're going to mention him I would. Um, there's a lot of fans saying Leave him alone He's, uh, he's passed his best He's not going to play he once was But it's not like he's gone to Celtic And actually not Performed. He's went to Celtic and got injured. When he came on uh, at Petrodri in December, he came on at left back and he actually played pretty well. And if we're looking ahead to next season, when we're probably not going to have match low, we could be losing Graham Shinny. I don't think Johnny Hayes at left back's the worst option. And even playing, even if he places Mackay Stephen again, we're talking about um, the end product. Hayes always gave us an end product. So it would depend what the transfer fee is. is I wouldn't take him alone. It's permanent deal, nothing. But I would actually, I wouldn't be against Johnny Hayes coming back. Peter Pollitt, Johnny Hayes. Anyone want to throw Scott Vernon's name into the mix? Or <laughs> well, we can't afford Jaden Stockley. So. <laughs> <laughs> nope, he's on a one-way ticket to the Premiership, mate. Um, <laughs> send us near tomorrow night. Um, I mean. Listen, big book of football and cliches here, but you would have hoped that uh, they've learnt a lesson from the first game. The first game where, really, it was carelessness as much as anything else, Martin. I think we'd always said last week that it just, you know, they looked like one was enough, the second one will come, um, and then the second goal doesn't come, and we're looking, you know, and you know, you know the inevitable happens that, you know, though it takes us back to the bad old days of, of Cup Ec Cup. Shocks at Pataudry. They'll have been left under. The players have been left under no, no illusions as to what's expected of them. That was a really below par performance. This isn't you know some kind of you know nonsense treatment the way they treat the cup down in England. This is this is a Scottish Cup. Uh, we want to win it, um, and I'm sure these players have been told that as well. 
Now, it's not a proper cup tie against lower league opposition unless uh, you know the occupation of at least seven of the uh, other team. Um, hopefully, there'll be a candlestick maker, a butcher, a baker, all the professions. Um, but playing Sunday, Saturday, Tuesday should really give us an even uh, greater advantage, shouldn't it, Andrew? Yeah, I think a few of the players should be ch- chomping at the bit as well, especially like to Stevie May and Greg Stewart, who are looking for a goal, you know, they should go out and stay on thinking, right, this is my chance for me to beat my duck. Um, I was there in 1995, and everyone always talks about the pitch being a bit of a bog. It was a bit of a bog actually trying to get to it. I remember, we, I think we went the wrong exit. We had to go across a, a really muddy field to get there. Pretty much swam to the game. It was freezing cold. It was just so miserable. And then everyone was like, oh, it's the worst day in our history. And I got then we found out, actually, it was only the start of it. But... <laughs> Um, I, I laughed at McKinney's comments after the first game and he said that that's the closest Aberdeen have been to an embarrassing result in his time at Aberdeen and I was kind of like, well, have you forgotten that Alawa took us to penalties or we lost to Fola Ish? But, no, we can't, we can't lose tomorrow night. We've got to, like Martin says, it's a Scottish Cup. We should be looking to win this. I like the fact Tony Docter has come up today and said it's the strongest team possible it's going to be playing. Let's, let's just get the job done. And you know we've given them a boost, Martin. They did. Uh, they hadn't won in league for quite a few weeks, but they they won on Saturday. They beat Airdrie at home, kept a clean sheet. They'll think that uh, they can cause an upset definitely after the first game, won't they? Oh, they will. I mean, no, no. There's there's no question that they'll be they'll have been up for their game on Saturday after after getting a good result in Opetodri. You know, I mean, well, they had a shot on target, so they did better. They did better than the current second best team in the country, or the well third best team in the country so they were doing something right they'll see us as a big scalp but you know if everything goes to plan you know and as Tony Doherty said today with the, with the first choice best choice 11 best players on the pitch you know let's just go ahead and get it done it's like we should we should have more than enough for them you've got guys there and like Andrew said you know Greg Stewart's looking you no know, looking for get a goal Stevie May's looking to get a goal Sam Cosgrove's looking to continue what's been a pretty rich Vena goal scoring. No, we should have we should have far too much for them. Right. Well, yours truly will be braving the elements in the away end at Ockerview uh, tomorrow night. So um, can I hereby retract my statements, hoping for a miserable evening, um, which I made in last week's <laughs> podcast. And I hope it's I hope it's nice and warm, and I hope the pies are very very good. So um, <laughs> after tennis Muir, we're Easter Road on Saturday. Now. Not an easy venue to win at, but perhaps a good time to play them, Andrew. And they've got Martin, I've got absolutely no end product against half-decent teams. Boyle and Ryan, I'll side down anything that moves Porteous, both are injured. And then, of course, there's been high junk, high jinks in the dugout this week. Yeah, I watched our game yesterday, and I mean, fair enough, that they came back from behind to win, but they didn't play particularly well. St. Mimmon should have had a penalty at 2-1, and it should have been another game where they dropped points. They're, they're not impressive at all, like... It, Neil Lennon's whole Neil Lennon's so overrated like, so many Aberdeen fans want him at the Tordry, but he's just the type of manager like, quite similar to they, you see what they remind me of actually they remind me of Aberdeen under Roy Aiken where there's a selection of good players but didn't really have any tactical sort of nearest at all they would play well against the old firm didn't really do anything against anyone else Aberdeen for me especially like these three games you know the Kermonic game the Hibs game and then obviously Rangers next week if, if we're serious about you know well, it's a title race or at least finishing second 
Aberdeen for me I'm going to these three games looking for at least seven points with John the first one uh, I think Aberdeen need to go there and make a statement I don't, I don't think we're going there as underdogs I hope we're not doing what we've done the last two times we've gone East Roads and we've played like going back early in the podcast we're talking about Shinny and Ball trying to sort of stifle him stop them playing let's just go there take the game to them just you know play it as, as we play as we play when it's a home game um, we're a better team than they are they've, they've not got a lot of confidence at the moment it's a game that we should go in and win yeah, as the season's gone on, it's definitely a case, Martin, of the, the Emperor's new clothes about him. So there's the, the understanding that there's not really much substance there. Their style of play and how they how they kind of, kind of conducted themselves on the pitch was kind of symptomatic of, of the manager. You know, there's all this talk about, you know, Leo, Leo Lennon's kind of personal issues and things like that. And, um, you know, uh, they can go from, in, in one half, they can go from being the best football inside in the league to the second half to being, you know, you wonder why they're in the league. Um, you know, and... You know, we've we've said it many times on here before. It's um, you know they've you no know, Lennon's now Lennon's now gone as far as we're you know probably as far as we're aware. Um, you know they're going to be they're going to be in a bit of a crisis. They're going to they need to try and bring in a manager. Um, the guy who's the 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 current like interim manager doesn't want it. Um, this is you know there's probably no better time to be playing them. You know they're they've apparently got nobody fit. <laughs> they've got nobody available. Um, this is a time where you know a team that is apparently you know going to be one of the one of the teams up there in the top six towards the end of the season, which you know doesn't look like it now, but you no, know, we, we were told they were going to be. Um, this is a chance to go down there, get some points. It's what it's a it's a difficult place to go. It's a no, it's no, it's not the kind of easiest sta- stadium for us to go. We've struggled struggled to get kind of get a good performance there the last couple of times, but you know we managed to beat them on penalties, so we got we got through it last time in the cup game. Let's just maybe hope that we can kind of get down there. After a few goals against Stenhouse Muir, and then rack up a few more, four more against what is at the moment a pretty much a shambolic Hibs team. Well, having given them that build up and dismissed them so readily, <laughs> I think you can comfortably put your money on a Hibs victory this weekend. But uh, hopefully that won't be the case, and hopefully there's no upsets, no alarms, and no surprises at Ockleview tomorrow. So that's our podcast for this week. My thanks to Martin Clunas. Martin, thank you. Thanks very much, Richard. Do you enjoy yourself at Stenhouse Muir tomorrow? Indeed, indeed. I am layering up even now. Um, and making his debut, 14 out of 10, would have on again. Andrew Southwick, thank you. Thanks very much. Anytime. We'll be back next week, looking back on the games at Stenhouse Muir and at Easter Road, and looking ahead to the small matter of the visit of Scotland's newest football club. Good night.